Welcome, listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Thought I'd get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this, this evening is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live broadcast there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And then a TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail. Dot com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. It's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. <clears throat> it's 808. You're on this uh, fall Friday evening in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in freestyle Friday mode. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. And we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time For an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia, 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. 
That's sir, brother Elliot. How are you, sir? I right, look, Elliot, as you know, I almost acted myself out of being on time. You know? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, but everything is good. Everything's good. Yeah, well, <clears throat> Richard, do you, uh, it's your favorite time of year. The weather's starting to change. Yeah. Don't even play. Don't even play. <laughs> and, it, and it's being funny, too, because it was like, I think early in the middle of the week, it was like really chilly, and then it seemed to got a little warmer, and. Uh, I have, and in between, I have my long johns on, and when I got oh, hot, man. you know, and I was already out, so I couldn't take them off. And it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, right. Man, I'm telling <laughs> I believe that alone. Richard, I'm, uh, well, we have freestyle Friday, but there ain't that's on the callers, but I think give us a call. I see a couple calls have popped up. Um, a couple things, Richard, uh, I, I want to, uh, to go into and it, it, it's kind of funny when uh, things happen to people. You see all types of uh, revisionist history about who they were, uh, and I'm saying that in reference to uh, Colin Powell, and he, you know, he, he died early in the week of uh, COVID nineteen. Um, and you know, you just see some of the things that uh, people said in reference to him, or they put online, social media, and. and uh, black news organizations, I guess they didn't want to talk ill of the dead, so to speak. So they said glowing things in representation to him. But, you know, people's record speaks for themselves. And all you have to do is look, his his base, his life basically was an open book. And he worked for several of these politicians, including uh, Bush Sr. and Jr. He was a, uh, I reckon, member in the Republican Party for a while. He had some sway and influence. Uh, I think he was a member of the Trilateral Commission too, wasn't he, Richard? I believe, I believe so. So you know, he he was he was an imperialist. He was an American imperialist that happened to be black. So you know, if anybody's confused about Colin Powell, the things he did to uh, uh, to to enforce and advance American imperialism at the expense of other people. Uh, I think he was involved when they went into Grenada. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Richard, you can clear it up. Uh, I think yeah. that, what's that again? I'm sorry. No, I said, yeah. I think that first attempt uh, when they were trying to assassinate Gaddafi, uh, he was involved in that first attempt. I don't think he was involved in that second one when they uh, basically toppled the government and uh, and oh. had him murdered. But he was involved in that first one, I think, when they killed uh, Gaddafi's children or a couple of his children or something like that. He was involved in that. Uh, he was involved in that shenanigans that went on in the Middle East that uh, toppled the government of Iraq, uh, you know, and then claimed that he was uh, given false information, that he, you know, when, uh, with, uh, under the guise of weapons of mass destruction. There's a lot of things that he was involved in. Um. He might have been vaguely involved in that uh, stuff with Ali North and uh, the stuff that happened as far as uh, uh, weapons to uh, uh, weapons that opposed to drugs. You know, listen, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I, never, I never heard directly, but you know, I guess um, he was in the in the military at the time. Yeah, so you know, it, it is what it is in reference to him. I didn't really want to talk about him, but I, I just thought it was odd that 
But, you know, it's, it's, it's the thing that I'm wrestling with, and it's not um, you, you start off by saying in relationship to um, dealing with American imperialism, right? Um, because what I hear is a, a lot of us, and, and, and it comes up, maybe it comes up more, well, now it comes up, especially with the um, advent of a generation that's more engaged in um, the um, suit, um, demand for reparations um, in relationship to being an American, right? Um, and and or, or um, whether you know is capitalism, which you know America right now, um, even with you know the flaws what we can see from being inside as far as its weakness, and and even the um, some make the analysis that capitalism. Is in is in a in a decline, but you know you can, you know you can be in decline for for decades um, or or hundred centuries. Um, but the the point of 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 black people, um, African Americans, um, identifying and supporting um, America, and, and you know when you talk about the military, and you know and it's and its role as an imperialist um, instrument, meaning utilizing the mechanism of the military in order to um, um, go in or or prevent, go into countries, um, you know, or prevent countries. I mean, even create, um, with the initiative of the military, um, creating coups, um, low-level coups or coups by contractors, um, um, but but military driven, Mm -hmm. being supportive of it. And it's like this question of as being African-Americans in our particular history, um, where in its initiation or early design, we weren't a part of it and asking a question, are you in support of capitalist exploitation or um, military, um, a military imposition in nations for out of the guise of national interests, supporting or protecting um, national interests. Um, Are we in support of those kind of policies or are those who identify, um, even those who go in the military, because I heard one gentleman, you know, my, I was in the military, my father was in the military, my grandfather, and some say that they can track um, their involvement even back to the Revolutionary War. But as a people, out of our particular history, are we saying that we support those kind of policies, foreign policies, strategic policies, and all, um, even though we are not necessarily um, the designers of that, um, even if we are like um, the general, you know, um, and it's a lot of them, you know, that are in position to implement those policies. Um, that's a, to me, that's a critical question that we as an individual and we as a people must, um, must uh, answer because as you mentioned, um, what was Gaddafi doing that deserved 
his demise, his family demise, and that nation. Just using that example. What is, what did Cuba do to, to need a blockade? What is Haiti has done in the name of American foreign policy to deserve the, the type of, of, of capitalist expansion under the, the guise of, of American um, control? Are we, as African-Americans, are we um, in support of that as individuals or as a historical people? Um, I think that's a critical question. So um, Colin Powell is just, you know, in the discussion of it, is just an, uh, a symbol to make us focus or, and address that question, if it's a realistic question for us to address. You know, uh, I see uh, Brother Otis put in the chat room, uh, about his involvement in them. And I didn't know that uh, in that My Lai massacre that happened in Vietnam. Uh, right. Cali, Cali, uh, was it Cali was involved? Uh, Colonel Cali or whatever that guy's name was. Right. Killed all those women uh, women and children in those villages. I didn't know his involvement in that. but uh, And his wow. strategy of using, of bombing, because it's, it's what they went under, I don't know if it was Bush the Elder or Bush the Younger, that was, you know, they were, um, I, I guess it was under Bush the Younger. They they kept um, celebrating that they were going to they weren't going to send in troops like they did in Vietnam. That they were utilizing the strategy that Colin Powell had um, initiated in in sense of um, doing the bombing as a means of 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 uh, limiting the actual um, costs and quote unquote American troops. Wow. Yeah, uh, one other thing that happened this week, Richard, uh, uh, Biden went, uh, I think Wednesday or something, had a town hall meeting. I think it was in Baltimore. And uh, I was uh, reading a published report uh, that was in The Hill in reference to what was stated, because we see, again, another a defeat on black-orientated legislation that has happened in this government. Now, just keep in mind some of those clips that I play and the one that rings in my mind is Malcolm talking about the, uh, you put them first and they put you last cause you're a chump. You remember the, the, what he said, Richard? Right. In fact, one of we take a break, I might play that. Um, I'm looking at this published report. I'm going to read some of it because we've seen that, I think it's that George Floyd bill go down in flames. Uh, uh, bill, bills on uh, changing the, the way uh, policing was done at uh, Bass and Booker and uh, and Tim Scott was supposed to be working on mm-hmm. down in flames. The voting rights bill down in flames. Black farmers still getting the shaft after that money was already allocated in this budget still hadn't been paid and the money, uh, most of the money been spent already, according to uh, some of the lawyers that have been working closely on the case. So, and that's just me. I'm no political scientist. That's just me uh, just thinking off memory, some of these defeats. But let me read the, some of this segments of this published report. It says, uh, and this is out of the Hill. It says patience with Biden wearing thin among black leaders. 
says black voters and activists are increasingly frustrated with the Democrats and the Biden administration in the wake of the party's latest failure to advance voting rights. In the first days uh, of in office, uh, Biden signed a flurry of executive orders to advance equity throughout every aspect of federal government. But his campaign promises were far loftier, and the Democrats have struggled to make good on them. Uh, now, after nine months, during which not a single voting rights bill made it to the president's desk, pressure is mounting on Biden to turn things around as projections for next year's midterm start to look bleak for Democrats. NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson delivered a stark warning to Biden in a statement released after a failed uh, vote on the Freedom to Vote uh, Act Wednesday afternoon. Uh, this was a quote here. Don't forget that black voters landed a victory for this president and this Congress, so don't fail us again. White House President. Now, after these some of these statements was made, then, you know, here comes the same old playbook. They run out uh, the deputy press secretary, uh, Karen Jean Pierre, the black woman. Uh, the White House principal press, uh, principal duty press secretary, Karen Jean Pierre, uh, Pierrot, uh, acknowledged Thursday that there has been setbacks with both voting legislation and police reform talks. Uh, Our agenda for the black community is not one or two bills, she says. Clearly those bills were critical and important, and we're going to continue to work very hard towards them. Uh, But it is weaved throughout a numerous policy initiatives and executive orders legislations. John Pettery, Pierre, told reporters during a briefing, adding that equity is the center of everything President Biden does. Democrats this session have put forth three bills, uh, the For the People Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and the Freedom to Vote Act, aimed at stopping the wave of restrictive voting measures introduced in the GOP-controlled state houses since the beginning of the year. All three uh, passed through uh, the House but languished in the Senate. Biden and Democrats have lambasted uh, conservatives for, for refusing to play ball, but activists and progressives readily point out that Republican support wouldn't be needed if Democrats do away with the Senate filibuster, an old but frequently used procedural rule requiring 60 votes Uh, to both begin and end debate on a bill. Biden also said he's resisting getting embroiled in the debate over the filibuster because it would jeopardize negotiations over his economic agenda. In fact, I get myself into a moment of debate on the filibuster, said Biden. I lose all three votes right now to get what I have to get done on the economic side of the equation and foreign policy side of the equation, Biden says. Jean-Pierre said Thursday Biden would continue to speak out on the issues of voting rights and that the White House would work with Congress to advance legislation 
including the John Lewis bill. But after Wednesday's unproductive vote, Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, told The Hill that the words of Biden and other Democratic leaders mean nothing without substantive change. Uh, you remember Albright, don't you, Richard? No, we, I, I don't. We, I don't we had him on the program. Huh? We had him on the program, Cliff Albright. Oh. No. In fact, I might reach out to him again just to get his uh, opinions oh, on some no, of this. No. The one who was doing the voting campaign in, in Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let me let me uh, continue on this here. Uh, Albright made some comments, and here we go to uh, this. Uh, and Basil Smick, I think that's his name, but I'll be butchering some of these people's names. Basil Smicky, a Democratic strategist and director of public policy at Hunter College, said that black voters are likely to be disappointed, but he raised doubts about whether this means that they will stay home during the midterms while acknowledging concerns about voting laws like the one in Texas restricting turnout. I think black voters are going to be disappointed in the party and in the administration for not showing signs of strength on these issues and not supporting measures that support them. And so the administration supporting other infrastructure, says Smicky. Uh, Albright, however, said that voter participation is certainly, certainly going to fall. I absolutely promise you, says Cliff Albright, that there's going to be a drop in black turnout and not just a regular drop that you see going uh, from a presidential year to a midterm, Albright says, you'll see even more precocious drop because black folks are dissatisfied with the ways that they have been taken for granted. Further possible evidence of black voters waning patience in Biden's declining approval ratings. A recent Associated Press uh, poll shows that his approval rating with black Americans fell from 86% in July to 64% presently. Uh, so we see, Richard, after that ta- town hall meeting, that uh, that uh, I'm sorry, that uh, we see that uh, they say that black voters are dissatisfied about what's going on uh, with the Democratic Party on these high levels as far as Congress and the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like other guests that we've had on, some of the directors of some of these independent black parties, uh, uh, the guest that we had last week, uh, a professor out of uh, Boston, uh, what's it, Amherst, uh, Emerson College up there, Roger House, when he stated about a strategy that had been used when you pointed out it was used in Oklahoma when our people uh, was doing the reconstruction period, uh, picking an area where we could overpopulate and then start controlling the local politics there, uh, which is a strategy that can be used mm. because uh, getting in these offices, uh, uh, senators and things like that, and you have to sway uh, white voters. You're not going to do that. The white folks are not interested in helping you do anything. 
or being fair in anything. They're just not. So that type of strategy is clear that it doesn't work. I don't know how many times it's got to be proven. It's not working. Some of these other strategies need to be adopted as a solution to what's going on. And not saying that we need to be embroiled in this type of politics that, that is used here. But like we have stated in past conversations, Richard, and some of it been private conversations between me and you, if this system, and all systems rise and they fall, is if this system falls next year, tomorrow, two years from now, or ten years from now, then where does that leave our people if we're not practicing some type of, of uh, fairness, righteous government among our people? It needs to start now. Because yeah, if, if things fall apart, Richard, then we, we'll be adopting practices uh, that we've learned from these Europeans. And we'll go in places and start some of the same foolishness that they have here. We can't do that. That's my, that's, that's, that's my major concern. Um, as I even hear, you know, um, in the article that you read, because, uh, you know, <laughs> on one hand, with Biden, you know, looking at the national politics and the Republican Party, what did that, what did um, those who have a more vested interest, I mean, they, they beat their chest when, um, when it was about the victory of getting Biden Harris in. You know, they they celebrated their ability to get the turnout, um, to be able to get, you know, the type of votes within the black community. Now um, they're saying, I mean, it was no um, clear understanding that the even with a 50-50 Senate, that they didn't have, they had an uphill battle um, politically. Not, not, you know, um, what was the, and yes, for me sitting on the sideline, I can say this, and it, and it, and it is somewhat irrelevant for those. But to your critical question, should we have a self-governance mechanism that in spite of where things go, we've already acted out how we're going to operate for the survival or at least this, the, the, the quality of life for most of us in the condition that we're in. But it seems that when they were beating their chest, all their eggs was in that basket. And if I'm not mistaken, maybe maybe you can help me because from a cursory, even his economic agenda, they snatching that back, all the things that were, would, would go in as Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris said, I can't do nothing for just black people. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something just for black people. Well, those economic uh, things that's in that uh, uh, Build America Better project, which were social service um, funds um, besides the infrastructure, uh, they seem to be clawed back from what I'm hearing. I don't know if you heard the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it's just that 
Richard, some of our people, they, uh, with the lack of information that goes on in combination with buying into some of the stuff that they're being told, uh, it kind of leaves some of our people in a quandary. But the more and more information is getting out to what these people are doing and what these people are not doing. And I do agree with the statements that Albright made uh, in this particular article about the uh, uh, you know, our people get uh, sick and tired of being taken advantage of. And especially in some of the states where, I mean, he was rallying people down in the southern states, not right. just Georgia. Right. And right. according to what he said on this program, he wasn't rallying them towards the Democratic Party. He was just rallying them to get involved in the political process. You remember what he stated on, the, on when he was with us? I mean, wasn't that the, when they had the bus? The, exactly. Uh, and we're getting all the senior citizens. Yeah. But I mean, even in that county, didn't they call the bus back? Yeah. Yeah. What 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 what, what I think we're we're saying though is that um, we have to recognize um, the political environment that we're in, and the kind of if we're going to deal with political capital, the kind of political capital that we have, and the kind of you know as the um, professor House used last night and, uh, and I think Charles Blow is dealing with, you know, and others, whether we talk about um, the independent party or going for, you know, trying to have a strategic plan as we move towards one state in order to get two senator, senator votes and whatever. But um, there has to be uh, our political thinking cannot be tied to the success and failure of those um, political entrepreneurs within the Democratic Party. Exactly. Exactly. That's why we have to use those strategies to try to adopt. And some of the best strategies like uh, uh, Khalid Rahim and, and the brothers in uh, 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 Maryland and uh, members of the Black is Back Coalition about taking control of the politics where we are predominantly in population is a excellent strategy. Because those tax dollars and all this in those areas can be funneled to help our people and to help the people that's in those areas. And more people that move to those areas, the more uh, the more that we can take control of what's going on in those areas. We won't have uh, right now. You got people that are supposed to be uh, 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 servants in those areas that are beholden to other people. So, you know, if somebody wants to. Uh, kind of reflect back on that we can do that that's a i just threw that out there as a topic richard um i want to read this uh this other published report that came out um yesterday and it's in reference to (laughs) it's kind of vaguely and vague uh vaguely i'm sorry in reference to a comment that condoleezza rice made on uh, that daytime program to view. I'm going to play her comments. And then I want to read some of this published report for our listening audience. A lot of people know what we're up against in this country. But some people that have the illusions that things are getting better. You know, you hear all that. You hear some of that silly talk from a lot of the 
people that they put in front of us that look like us that's supposed to get paint a rosy picture of what's going on. Let me play her comments here in reference to uh, she made comments uh, about critical race theory. And I just uh, let me play this comment to kind of preface before I read this article. The whole issue of critical race theory and what the whole issue of critical race theory and what is and is not being taught. Uh, I come out of an academic uh, institution, and uh, this is a, something that academics debate, what is the role of race and so forth. And, and let me be very clear. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't go to a movie theater or to a restaurant with my parents. I went to segregated schools till we moved to Denver. Mm-hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it. And you are going to be anything you want to be. And that's the message that I think we ought to be sending to kids. One of the worries that I have about the way that we're, we're talking about race is that it either seems so big that somehow white people now have to feel guilty for everything that happened in the past. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that's very productive. Or black people have to feel disempowered by mm-hmm. race. I would like black kids to be completely empowered, to know that they are beautiful in their blackness. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. So somehow this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. Richard. Yeah. Um, Did you, did you hear what she said? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she don't think these things need to be taught critical race theory because she don't believe in making white kids feel bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but she want black children to be empowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said when she was going through this with her parents, they told her, this is not your problem. You going to succeed. I mean, if, if it's, if what these people have been doing to us for centuries is not our problem, then who is it? Who's going to deal with it for us? White folks are supposed to correct what they've done or are we supposed to fight to deal with the, the problem that we're facing and get involved in this struggle? Now, she don't believe that these things need to be pointed out. And, I, you know, I don't know what she's talking about taught because, you know, we ought to concentrate on our children. Uh, if she wants to worry about white kids that's up to her in fact her whole life seems to be in that direction so have at it i don't care what white children are learning but it needs to be pointed out to our children what we've been dealing with now look and i'm saying i'm a preface this i'm gonna read some of this article check this out richard now the justice department got involved in this and they've been involved for a couple of years It says Justice Department chastises Utah school districts for ignoring racial harassment of black students. Uh, This was an article dated yesterday. The Davis School District, which is one of the largest and several districts up there in Utah, has been investigated. This Davis School District, Richard, has a a population of 73,000 children. So it's not small. It says the Davis School District has intentionally ignored serious, widespread racial harassment 
in its school districts for years, failing to respond to hundreds of reports from black students and parents after they have been called slaves, the N-word, and heard threats that would have, that they will be lynched, according to the, a jarring report from the U.S. Department of Justice. Now, I did download that report and read it. Uh, if I get a chance, I might point out some things in that report. It says, that refusal to intervene ultimately created an atmosphere that was so oppressive that some uh, black children feared coming to class, the report says. Many stopped reporting acts of discrimination, which were often witnessed by teachers who didn't step in. They said uh, a few told justice investigators that they felt the district was condoning the way that they were being treated by taking no action. As consequence of this dismissive attitude towards serious racial harassment, a district-wide racial hostile environment went unabated. The Justice Department concluded in a report released Thursday, and the district left students, uh, black students vulnerable to continued abuse. The findings from the Justice Department comes after two years of investigation in the predominantly white Utah school district starting in July of 2019. Uh, the department does not, excuse me, hold it. I lost my place here. The discrimination described in the, rep in the report on the Davis school district ranges from black students being denied permission to form clubs around their identities while other racial and ethnic groups were allowed to, to administrators dis uh, disciplining black students more harshly than their white peers. Uh, the Justice Department team uh, interviewed, reported interviewing uh, several district members and staff members. One district staff member said that she didn't know the proper way to referring to black students. She pointed to the district attorney, a uh, district, a uh, justice the Justice Department attorney who is black and said uh, they were colored people like him. That term is considered offensive. That happened in the classroom too. Students also told investigators that they were told to go pick cotton or threatened with lynching. A few said that they were pushed, uh, physically abused, uh, when they opposed their white peers for using the N-words and they were uh, regularly assaulted. White students, they said, would often uh, refer to them as monkeys, apes, and would mock them by making primate sounds. Many black students interviewed by the Department of Justice said that they were told by classmates that their skin was dirty and looked like feces. Several reported other kids uh, touching or pulling their hair without permission. The, state, the Davis School District has a large population of 73,000 students. Some black students said that it worsened around lessons on the Civil War because they were taught um, in a disrespectful and inconsiderate manner. They said it often got bad enough where they would skip school to avoid uh, those subjects. Teachers, uh, but teachers the students told the Department of Justice were often indifferent and sometimes joined in 
on the discrimination. Black students told the department that incidents happened frequently, at times in front of teachers and other staff, and some would not respond or intervene in any way. One student recounted telling an administrator that he had been called the N-word, and the administrator continued to repeat it to him over and over again in the conversation. The Department of Justice says the reports from parents often were ignored as well, with at least one elementary school administrator openly acknowledging that they were not responding to those type of concerns. Other administrators told them that they felt uh, black clubs for students was inappropriate for school. Currently, four districts in Utah have, uh, have pending cases in the Justice Department. Uh, those are Alpine, Granite, Jordan, San Juan. Davis has another case on the list also for racial harassment uh, that was opened in March of this year. So you have a whole state, and that state is not alone. This is just something I'm pointing out in this particular uh, article that's openly harassing black students that are going to these the, uh, the schools. And unabated, according to the Department of Justice, nothing is being done about it. Now, a couple of, just want to point out a couple of paragraphs in this Department of Justice. Now, that was a published report in the press. That this is from the Department of Justice uh, statement uh, that was issued, and you can pull that up. It, it, uh, it's dated September 15th of this year. And it talks about the, the school districts in that state. Uh, it says the school districts uh, violated students' equal protection rights by intentionally discriminating against them as members of an identifiable class. Uh, talking about uh, black students. It also stated uh, the D Department of Justice found severe, pervasive, and objectively offensive race-based harassment in schools across the districts. Parents and students informed the Department of Justice of white students uh, repeatedly uh, pervasively using the N-word and the district's knowledge of it without consequence. The Department of Justice uh, found that the district was on notice of the racial hostile environment, although some students told us that uh, continuing to report racial slurs was futile. Many parents and students persisted in reporting incidents of racial harassment to teachers, counselors, uh at the school and at the district level administrators. Districts, the district's documents show that it had actual knowledge of at least 212 incidents in which black students uh, were harassed across 27 different schools, as well as, an addition, as additional incidents of race-based harassments. Finally, we found that the district was deliberately indifferent to the racial hostile environment in their schools. Uh, it says, as discussed below, the Department of Justice investigation concluded that the district discriminated against black students, and it is uh, enforcement of discipline policies and practices. 
the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment was openly violated and is essentially uh, uh, a direction that all persons similarly situated could be treated as such. The district has not presented a legitimate explanation for why black uh, students are treated differently than whites under the district's discipline policy and the law enforcement referrals. In fact, during our interviews, district, district officials admitted to the Department of Justice that the district's discipline data revealed that the district staffs treated student, black students differently uh, than white students, despite knowing at least four years uh, that this data was uh, being collected, that the district took no steps to train staff, implement changes, codes and practices, or otherwise take corrective actions in light of these disparities. Put it simply, the district knew it engaged in discriminatory disciplinary actions and did nothing. The Department of Justice investigation did not find any legitimate basis for uh, more punitive discipline on black students when compared to similar situations of white students. Um, and this, this is a conclusion here, Richard. It says department's investigations uncovered systematic failures in the district's handling of complaints of, of, of a racial student on student, student on staff harassment, discipline of black students and refusal to allow black students to form student groups. The department appreciates the cooperation of the districts and its administrators faculty and staff and students throughout the course of this investigation and looks forward to continuing the work with the district to resolve outstanding concerns. If any questions to this letter, please do not hesitate. And it has a acting United States attorney, uh, Adrian Martinez and uh, deputy chief of the civil rights division, Shanina Shahina Simmons. So, Richard, mm. it states in this article. Now, I read the published report talking about what's happening in schools up there. And then it states in the Department of Justice article that they openly violate the 14th Amendment to this country's Constitution. Openly violate it. And it says that the districts up there don't care. They didn't do anything, and they knew there was an investigation and didn't correct it. So in conclusion, it says here that uh, the Department of Justice appreciates the cooperation of the districts, its administrators, faculty, staff, and students throughout the course of this investigation and looks forward to continuing the work to resolve these concerns. What kind of bullshit? What, what is this? What is this? What has our people got themselves into dealing with these Europeans? And according to a... a, a uh, a Thomasina like Condoleezza Rice, it's no need for critical race facts. I ain't even talking about the critical race theory part. What is this that our people are going through? Why Why are you up in Utah anyway? Why don't you <laughs> move to another? Go down south. Go, go to Chicago, Philadelphia. Move around your own people. Why are you up there anyway? And exposing your children to that. I realize some people might go somewhere for a job or something like that. 
But why why are you exposing your children to these type of behaviors around these folks? These people ain't going to do nothing about it. Europeans are famous for putting on dog and pony shows, for putting on an image, for putting on a false face. We should know better than anybody how they how they operate. I just wanted to throw that out there, Richard, I, and, and and especially in reference to what she said in in that uh, 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 clip that she did on that talk show about it wasn't necessary to have some some of these conversations. She didn't want to make white children feel bad. Well, tell that to the, uh, some of the children that look like her that's up there going through this crap with the white students that she don't want to make feel bad and the administrators and teachers that's allowing it and they, they don't do nothing about it. I don't know, Elliot. I just, I just don't know. Maybe the, maybe the time for waking audience know better than, you know. Yeah, I mean, sense. I don't know. But are we to the question that you're asking? Are we willing to define that reality and and work work it to make it happen? Define that reality, meaning that uh, we're not taking it, knowing all these other things is true. It's like in every arena. Well, let me back up. Isn't Utah? Um, you know, in colloquial language, a Mormon state. Yeah, supposed to be a religious state, religious. But that just shows you, you know, I mean, you know, these white folks, some of our black folks, when they talk about religion, they throw the whole blanket over everybody. Their folks, white folks, everybody. Everybody's got children. You know, it, it ought to be obvious to some of our people that when these people talk about God and, and religious and, and, and doing things right, it's different when they're talking about you. It don't apply to you. But, but isn't it up till recently, I mean, in the Mormon Bible, in that religion, that uh, uh, black folks was some kind of uh, a negative, had a negative image? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's only recently they're supposed to have changed the Bible. What I'm trying to get at, that cultural um, that cultural mindset that is amongst this young, I'm assuming, you know, these young young black students are, are reporting what these young white students and administrators are doing. But if that's the mindset of a large population, and we, look at, we were looking at the numbers, and I'm using the, the Republican numbers, um, it's red active. It's eight hundred and fifty-two thousand, you know, uh, Republicans in the state of Utah, where it's only two hundred and forty-six thousand, you know, in the, uh, a Democrat. Now, I don't, I don't think you, uh, Utah as a state has a large black population. No, in fact, it, it, I think it's under five percent. So I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's it's under five percent. So, I mean, you know, when you start adding these things up in this time um, and then see, as you say, the the Justice Department, the same, is that is that the Civil Rights, the Civil Rights Department of, under the Justice Department that's getting these reports? Yeah, I think that they were wanted because this, uh, they signed it, you know, on, on their just. Justice Department statement, the two signers on the back, one of them was from the Civil Rights Division. Right, right. The same Justice Department 
that in relationship to the black farmers is doing them dirty. <laughs> I mean, that's colloquial, but, but I mean, isn't, isn't, isn't in the discussion we had about the black farmers in relation, it was um, the other, the other week, it was um, based off of the justice department. Hmm. So the, what makes this report that they put out, even though that's the civil rights division, which saying they can't, they ain't doing nothing. They can't do nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, and they, they admit in this report that black people, and I, I don't want to put this on the children because the parents have complained that black people's 14th amendment rights to this trash document, the constitution that black people's 14th amendment rights has been openly violated and they don't do nothing about it. And they said that they knew that it had been under investigation for the past two years and did nothing to correct it. Which, and, and this, I mean, I mean, in the, the reports you read so far, the golden thread is that whether you deal with um, at the, the executive level with the Senate and Congress um, in relationship to Biden's budget, or you deal with at the state level, you know, um, in relationship to this, this, this thing about how even cause I would, and I ain't going to go there cause I was going to say Ellie, cause probably some of them black folks are, and, and, and we don't, I don't know the number and you, you didn't say definitively, but that population in Utah, you will find some of them black folks would be having the Condoleezza Rice voice. If I'm making myself. Oh, clear. yeah. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You I would I mean? definitely agree with that. So, and, and, and only this stuff, and they got, they got to do some mental gymnastics, if not even trying to be in some, having some blinder on, when the children are saying these white folks and the and the federal justice department is saying these white folks really don't treat look at y'all as less than nothing and they treating your children there is a population within the utah black population that would be trying to figure out how to say well as you said condi said well we don't want to offend them While they abusing us, and they're abusing us, not just, not just Utah, but if I'm not mistaken, what's being said in these reports, even the Democratic Party is saying, because that's what those uh, political um, entrepreneurs is telling Biden: Look, you treating us wrong. Look what we did for you. And he's saying, well. I mean, before he was saying, y'all just be quiet and go along. Don't be bringing up the other stuff. He said that before the before he got elected. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I might be, you know, uh, making it colloquial, but somebody tell me that I'm wrong. And somebody tell me, what does that mean for what we, which is the question that you asked, what we should be doing if all these things are are true, if Utah is doing that, being as you say, and the report is showing what they're doing in the educational system, Texas is saying that we're what they're going to do around this thing of critical race theory. Georgia is saying 
what they're going to do in relationship to the vote. What does that say? And the Democratic Party, based off of the president who you, who black folk got him in, is saying, well, we tried. That's what, yeah, that's basically what he's saying. That's basically what he's saying. <laughs> oh, that's, you know, we, we can't just, I mean, and we can complain about it, but isn't that mean we supposed to be, have some, and what you started out earlier, shouldn't we have an alternative strategy that we're moving to? And, and a collective alternative strategy, because exactly. it's not like some people are not doing this. Some people are doing this. That, you know, that these things are being proposed. Some of them have proposed it on this program. So it's people that are doing it. But I think the thing is, the collective strategy, Richard, is what's needed. Let's go to a couple of these calls. Let's go to 404. 404. 404. Yes, sir, my brother. Hey, Elliot, man. Hey, that, that's a Utah, man. That's a damn shame, man. I'm like you, man. Uh, 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 them folks need to get the hell out of Utah, man. Because I, I saw a report. This was back at a school, a hot college in the 70s. Uh, in Wyoming, that was uh, up there, too. And it was a black uh, team, Wyoming. The whole team, the start lineup was uh, 11 of them. And, and they played against uh, BYU, I think, in Utah. And they was calling them all kinds of derogatory names and blah, blah. Them brothers there, they walked off the field, man. And it's, it's, it's a documentary I saw. And this was in the 70s, man. Them brothers went on strike. Uh, they quit playing football. And half the, they football team, the white was on their own football team, wasn't going with them. Bruh, man, these, these people, hey, damn America, man. They, and then you, you, another thing I heard what Kundalisa Wright said, <laughs> she also said, when they had that little clown show January 6th, check this out, y'all, you, Richard Elliott. She said she was crying, man. Oh, you know, I wanted to but play that. Country. I wanted to play that, yeah, too. Bro. She said she was crying, and it made her think of other countries around the world. But she didn't say the other countries where they damn the fuck they, excuse me, messed up their government. And so the chickens have come on the roof, like my mother, Elliot, said. So she said she was crying, man, Richard. You hear that? You hear me, Richard? She said she was crying for this country. January 6th, man. And she grew up down there in Birmingham. And she went to school with them four girls that got blown up in that church, man. Hmm. Bro, that's a damn shame, man. And for well, Colin Powell, man, he was just a, a do boy for for these folks, man. And it, it, it's a damn shame, Elliot, man. I'm just gonna mute my line before I you know start cussing, man. I know I know how you are, man. <laughs> but this is a damn shame, especially in Utah, man. I, I'm gonna be quiet and listen, let some other folks say something, man, because this just pissed me off, man. Especially in Utah. I tell you something, when I went to school, man, uh, uh, I, our class was just in the uh what's that, integration stuff. So we they sent us to uh split I, I uh us to a, uh like an all white school where we integrated. Everything was cool. The one day when Roots came out of something, man, we got off the bus and we seen or they wrote on the wall and some paint, niggas go home. Oh, bro. It was on like pop the popcorn then, man. And this was in the 70s, man. All they had, when they did that, we went ham, man. See, these folks today, man, I, I don't know what to say, man. 
you talking about no wonder the bullies, no wonder these children taking them things to go into school, man. That's one, I'm surprised they one of them did that, man. Bro, hey, hey, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm you know, because it's making me mad at Matt, huh? Well, you know, now, that article is just an example, but because Utah is not an isolated incident of what's going on nationally. But what does that right. tell? What does that tell our children? Because you could see that the children wanted to do the right thing about this. They would they were reported to administrators. Uh, their parents got involved, and they said that the children and parents had been interviewed by the Justice Department. So they was trying to do the right thing, to go through the right channels. And basically, the Justice Department is telling them, well, your constitutional 14th Amendment right has been openly violated by all of these districts because there's several of the districts up there that's doing it. And they knew they was under investigation and did nothing about it. You know, some of these, uh, they knew they were under investigation. Some of them would act like they're trying to, but it said that they did nothing about it. And, 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 And I have to add this into it. When the military control um, media, you did you hear anything when they talk about critical race theory and what it would do and all that? What would happen if this was reported? Mm-hmm. Hundreds of other things that get reported in relationship to what you raised, Elliot. When the children hear that this is going, this is worse than going to school to learn about critical race theory. Because this is real, dealing with real government and real people in a real state about uh, having an effect on real black children like themselves, and they hear about that nationally. What does that do to them? Which means <clears throat> isn't playing it because they know what it would do to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and this something from plausible to die, deniability, man. That's all this old fake uh, critical race theory is about. They got plausible deniability where they wanted to uh, deny that all this shit happened. They don't want to. They don't want to own up to it. But we shine the light on them, man. The stuff they done and, and continue to do, bro. We shine the light on them, man. That that they come with all that critical race theory, plausible deniability. We got to keep just going at them, man. Bring it out to them, man. Especially down here in this town here in this town here, man. Where Georgia was started by some damn uh, 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 some prisoners that that England left sitting over here, man, here in Australia. So I tell them all when they talk. And then you saw the one picture where this this cracker carrot lady uh, dressed up like an Indian, hopping up and down in the class, man. Talking about she an Indian. They, they, these folks are off the chain, man. I, I, I'm gonna be quiet because I don't want to start cussing and, 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 and get Scott mad at you, man. <laughs> I'm gonna be quiet. Let somebody, somebody else talk, man. I love y'all, man. Talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to Toronto six six four seven. Are you there, Toronto? Yes, sir. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm good. Can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Oh, I wanted to say that uh, Mr. Mr. I wanted to talk about uh, Mr. Powell. First of all, how did he get the name Colin? I think it's, it's Colin. And did he walk around for 84 years and let the world call him Colin? That's that's the first thing. And the second thing is that he was a protege of a man by the name of Frank 
Carluccia, who was a CIA agent who was in the Congo in 1960, and he was stabbed by some of Lumumba, Patrice Lumumba's followers, and uh, 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 he was he was on assignment for you know for for U.S. imperialism, and this was uh, uh, Colin Powell's uh, key spar, as they say in Jamaica, or as you say in, in North America, he was his ace boon coon. I mean, they were like tight, tight, tight. And, now, was this uh, guy black that you talking about? No, Carlu, he's Italian. Carlucci is... Oh, 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 no, okay. He, all right. I, all right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, he's he. No, he is an Italian. He died a few years ago. Okay. He was a big man. He was a CIA agent, but he was a big man in, in, in the Republican Party. And uh, he mentored Powell. And then uh, when Powell got uh, in, in, in his position, he rehired this uh, young man. And uh, move with him, uh, or they moved together. But this guy was, like I say, he was stabbed in the neck. He was, uh, you know, some of the people, Lumumba's people, uh, pulled him out of a car and stabbed him in the, in the neck and in, and in the back. And uh, he just had he had a history of, uh, well, he was, what more can I say? He was a CIA agent, <laughs> straight up. And that was that was Mr. Powell. Uh, and you know Colin Powell was was was, was uh, Angela Davis was at Colin Powell's uh, uh, wedding because uh, Colin Powell married Angela Davis's next door neighbor. Hmm. You know, uh, check that out. And uh, well, Colin Powell, I, I, I'm I'm like, I'm like your last caller. Let me get off the phone before before I start cursing. <laughs> 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 Thank you for your contribution, brother. All right. Take care. Peace. Take care. Thank you. Let's go to 917. 917. Thank you. 917. Oh, what's going on there? It sounds like he's in the subway. Callers left on the line. No, wait a minute. Let's, let's go here. Let's go to 336. 336. 336 in Greensboro. Yes, greetings, brothers. How are you? Great. Good, good. I just got on, uh, so I don't know what, what is this uh, Freestyle Friday, I think it is? Yes. You can bring up okay. anything you want. Oh. Uh, I just got on because I hadn't had a chance to listen to you guys in such a long time. I was, like, grateful. Um, so uh, I don't have much to say because I kind of need to get into the uh, conversation, you know, in order to really say something sincere. But I do sincerely want to say is that I'll be very glad when black folk, when African people make a decision to start organizing in a serious way, those of us that are conscious, to get away from these lunatics. Mm. Uh, I saw the the video that the brother was talking about with that white chick jumping up and down and acting like a retard. And, you know, how long are we going to tolerate this? Um, I know what we're up against, but we're, we're not totally powerless. 
And so this is what I do want to say. I would like for us to have a national conversation and strategize about things we can do. Because some people, and I am going to cuss, some people, I mean, a lot of them need their asses kicked. <laughs> that was jumping up and down and some guy that was harassing, you know, black uh, folk that were uh, making deliveries or whatnot, uh, do like we used to do back in the day, beat their ass and they'll leave you alone. And um, and I also was looking at one video where um, somebody tried to harass, I think it was a, a Latino brother. Uh, that's not even a real word to describe him, but Hispanic-speaking uh, brother. And he took off his shirt and jacket and everything was like, come on, I'm going to kick your butt. And the white guy ran away so fast. And I said, hmm, we'll do that with each other, but we won't do that with them. Mm-hmm. So we need to, you know, have that dialogue and examine that because I see that in the hood. You know, you mess with me, I'm going to kick your, you know, so-and-so. But when they harass us, all of a sudden we can't fight back. Well, so any- you you, mm-hmm. rem- you remember with, uh, um, oh, my goodness, that, um, uh, boy, I, her name just flew out of my head, the former first lady. Michelle Obama, you remember what she said? When they go low, we supposed to go high. Yeah, that's for idiots. <laughs> that's for idiots. Where I come from, I come from old school. I will kick your ass, <laughs> and that's just real. You know, you know, we we were taught. I was, I'm a, of course, I'm a woman. My brothers taught me how to fight. So all of a sudden we can't fight. I know they'll kill us if, you know, they look for any reason to kill us. But then, you know, I always say they're doing it anyway, so why not do your thing? <laughs> I guarantee you, and I'll be quiet, if more black people start fighting back, like kicking some butt, um, they will think twice the uh, non-police um, lunatics. They will think twice before they approach us. So anyway... I'm glad I got an opportunity to say a little something. Thanks for your contribution, sister. Uh, thank you, brother. All right, take care now. Peace. All right, peace and love. We'll take a brief break, and when we come back, a couple of callers still on the line. We'll do that. Uh, open lines, lines still open. You can give us a call. Get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Richard on time for an awakening media part of the black talk radio network for podcasting or live program scheduling hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. Darkness no longer, a child is born. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America. We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Today our people can see that we're faced with a government conspiracy. This government has failed us. The senators who are filibustering concerning your and my rights, that's the government. Don't say it's Southern senators, this is the government. This is a government filibuster. It's not a segregationist filibuster. It's a government filibuster. Any kind of activity 
that takes place on the floor of the Congress or the Senate. That's the government. So this government has failed us. The government itself has failed us. And the white liberals who have been posing as our friends have failed us. And once we see that all these other sources to which we've turned have failed, we stop turning to them and turn to ourselves. We need a self-help program, a do-it-yourself do philosophy, a do-it-right-now philosophy. Uh, it's already too late philosophy. This is what you and I need to get with. And the only time, the only way we're going to uh, solve our problem is with a self-help program. Before we can get a self-help program started, we have to have a self-help philosophy. Black nationalism is a self-help philosophy. What's so good about it, you can stay right in the church where you are and still take black nationalism as your... World, come rejoice with me. It's a new day. A new you are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. On Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 926 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in Freestyle Friday mode here on Time for an Awakening. Anything that's on your mind, give us a call. We'll talk about it. You can do that by dialing 215 Four nine zero nine eight three two. It's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Let's go to two one five two one five. You there? Good. Good evening, brother Elliot and brother Richard. How y'all two brothers doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Our praises due to our lives. You know, brother West and 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 our good brother from Toronto and others, and and the, and the sister yes, preceded me. She was outstanding, also. You know. On Colin Powell, Ellen Richard, you know, it's a tendency, as you well know, that when Negroes like him trans transition, it's revisionist history. And and, and and when Brother West was talking about Condoleezza Rice, this Negress, he was talking about her and how she wrote the four little black girls that got killed in that tragic bombing and stuff by them white thugs in 63. She knowing the history and stuff, and she can't be, yet she still grew up, Elliot and Richard, and for the time from the Wigan List, or, or there to be an apologist for white bigots. She became a white, apolo a black apologist for white bigots. So it just shows you the sickness of her when she knew, when she grew up, she, she was friends of these girls and stuff. Like Brother West said, she grew, she grew up with them. Her mother, parents, knew their families and everything, yet she still grew up to be a negress. So they just shows you her mindset. You know, but like I said, it's a tendency when these Negroes transition to have revision of history. And I bring this up, Brother Ellen Richard, because our dear brother, who you and Richard ha has had on many times, I'm sure you have one again, Brother Obi, right? He was on Terrestrial Radio Show today, and Brother, he laid his thing down. Brother Obi, if you're listening, Brother, I give you your props, Brother Obi, because you put your thing down regarding Colin Powell <laughs> and stuff. And, I, and, I, and let me just start from this vantage point about dealing with Colin Powell. First off, 
you know, the honor, I don't know if you and Richard was aware of this, but the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, when you had the end, I think it was the 10-year anniversary of the Million Man March back in, I think it was in 2005, I think it was, he actually invited Colin Powell, I don't know if you and Richard was aware of this, he invited Colin Powell to speak at the at the 10-year anniversary for, for atonement, not because he was down with him, but as an atonement. As far as I was concerned, this is my own personal opinion. I thought the minister was wasting his time, but, you know, the minister do what he do. You know, he has that right to do that. Well, I wouldn't even even give that nigga an invitation because I knew he wasn't going to show up. But he had invited him to speak so he could atone for his, for his uh, role in helping the white man like Bush and Reagan and devils to help destroy Africa and, and kill Muslims and African sisters and brothers all over the world. He invited Colin Powell to speak to all these black men and women at that anniversary so he could atone for his for his crimes and everything. But of course, Colin Powell didn't show up and stuff because you know them, them white them white Zionist Jews and them and them Caucasians would have had it. They would have had that Negro hanging from the from the Capitol for the dead show up at that at that uh, anniversary. So I, like I said, the minister father because I was wasting his time. But I understand the gesture. You know he put the goodwill gesture out there. But anyway, back on Brother Obi, as Brother Obi said to the host on the show today, he says. We should never call Colin Powell a traitor. And I like how Brother Obi broke it down, Ellen Richie. He said because he's not a traitor. He said because he never, he said traitor somebody that has embraced black culture, supported it, and then all of a sudden you see them flipping over on the European side. He said in Colin Powell's case, he said this Negro never embraced black culture. You know what I mean? He was a Negro from day one. And, and, and I like how Brother Obi said how he went to the same school in New York, I think the Bronx went to the same school as our dear ancestor, Kwame Ture, you know, because he was a few years older than Brother Kwame. He went to the same school, but, 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 but as you can see, they both were diametrically opposed in their viewpoints. Kwame was always a brother, even before he got the full knowledge himself, he was always a brother that had consciousness towards his people, whereas Colin Powell was just the opposite, you know what I mean? He was he was Europeanized almost from day one and stuff like that, according to Brother Obi and everything, which which we all know is true. And anyway, uh, Brother Obi broke it down so nice about how this Negro was used, and he was a willing participant by the Reagans, the Bushes, and the rest of them devils. He was used to destroy his own people throughout the continent, you know, whether it be Gaddafi, Maurice Bishop, you name it, he was used, you know, to, to take out and destabilize people that was look that was fighting for our liberation. You know what I'm saying, Ellen Richard? Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, Brother Obi gave a, I, I, Oh, I wish Brother you and Richard had Brother Obi on so he could explain it better than me, but he was beautiful today how he broke it down. He said, so, he said, so please, because I, I know what Brother Obi was saying because he was critiquing, because, you know, again, with this revisionist history, you had some of those clueless hosts on that terrestrial radio station because this Negro died, they want to act like he was a great man. And and and, and this, this is how, how shallow we become, Ellen and Richard, as a people. These are the things they use to try to get Colin Powell his black card back. Well, you know, he did vote for Obama. You know, he... Uh, he 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 went against the Republican Party and supported Obama over uh, John McCain. And I'm like saying, is that any great shakes? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but that's his best way of saying he was. A, and then of course when he and dig this, he just left the Republican Party this year after the January 6th insurrection. He finally broke ties with the Republican Party. I'm like saying, oh, that's a revelation. I mean, it took that. It took January the sixth for this for this fool to lead them to lead them biggest on the Republican side. And thirdly, Ellen Richard, 
you know, you would have thought he would have left after he claimed that he was lied to. Remember, he's, we, 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 remember he went to the UNL and Richard with that false information that Saddam had weapons and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and he said that was a blotch on his record. Well, well if Kohenthal had any kind of conscience and courage, he would have left them then, but he didn't. So, so he has shown you he wanted to be the nigga from, from, from he was a nigga from the beginning to the end. So I don't want so don't so don't tell me you gonna give him his black card back because he voted for Barack Obama or because he denounced the Republican Party or whatever like that. When this man got blood on his hands, he's like I say, he's no different than Condoleezza Rice and the rest of them. Susan Rice, for that matter, too, who's not a part of the Obama administration. These Negroes, because they look like us in skin color, they, they, they as, as, Cecil, as the late C.C. Moore would say, they may be my color, but they damn sure ain't my kind. They're your skin folk, but they damn sure ain't your kin folk. You understand? You know? I mean, these niggas are disgrace, man. These niggas, all they do is work at the behest of the white man to destroy their people. And now, because he's transitioned now, they want to put this nigga up on a, on a pedestal like he did, like he was a great person for the black community. And I'll close these last couple of remarks so Jay, Joe Smith could get on. You know, it was a brother, I, I was talking to uh, a brother, Stanley Crawford, today. It was a brother, Ellen Richard. I can't think of his name. He was an activist brother. Uh, I don't know. It might have been Kwame Ture for all, and I can't even remember. But it was a brother that told Colin Tire right to his face. Yes, this is when Colin was in his glory as the white man's Negro when he was the uh, uh, joint chief of staff and he was leading these wars in Panama, killing our people over in Panama and elsewhere, he told Colin right to his face, you ain't number the old white man's house Negro and stuff. And Colin responded by saying, well, you know, you don't have to resort. You, you might not like my politics, but you don't have to resort to name calling. I forgot who the brother was, but he called him, told him right to his face and stuff. No, he didn't get behind his back. He told him right to his face. And that's the kind of, I, again, I, it could have been Kwame Tarefa. I, I can't remember who it was. But he told that nigga right to his face who he was and stuff like that. So I just say, moving forward, you know, we got we we, we got to make sure we stand against this this revisionist history because we're in Castle. They'll have Colin Powell, you know, uh, compared to Malcolm X at some point because now these niggas dwelling rich. You know how they do it. You know, I'm not telling y'all nothing y'all don't know. So we got to make sure that our young people that's coming up get the true history on Colin Powell. He was no friend of the black community. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. You know, clear as that. You know what I mean? We can't let this this, this go unchallenged. He's a Negro, man. He's a traitor. He's, like, he's not even a traitor. Like, but Obi said, he was just an out-and-out Negro from day one. From the time he was born to the day he left this earth, he was an out-and-out Negro. So, I mean, I just want to make that clear. No, he's like, he's no different than Condoleezza Rice and Susan Rice and the rest of them that work at the behest of the white man to destabilize and destroy their people. And I, and I thank you, Ellen Richard, for letting me express myself. I'll, I'll get off, Ellen. You can meet me, and I'll listen to the rest of the show, brother. Hey, uh, before you go, um, yes, because I know you uh, follow sports. Mm-hmm. Um, g- give me your opinion on uh, because you know it, <clears throat> this uh, this NFL always wanted to put on a fa- uh, and Europeans in general love the f- <clears throat> false face, mm-hmm. especially when they caught doing something that they you know that's that's clearly uh, uh, racist. But they always want to act like they want to correct the problem. That mm-hmm. that uh, race norming that they said that they was going to stop doing, mm-hmm. where uh, former black players that have retired that's going through issues, some mm-hmm. of them more serious than others, dementia, some of the Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and all from all the concussions getting hit upside the head, and they mm-hmm. were when they would use these uh uh. Uh, what the cognitive um, tests, right? 
they would say that they would always lower the scores for blacks because they said that they were less intelligent than whites. Right. I I just want your opinion on on uh, what they have been doing. And, and <clears throat> I, listen, I'm not even talking about the thing that they said that they was going to stop doing it because mm-hmm. until some of these players complained and 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 uh, put money together, hired an attorney, they wouldn't have never found out that they was doing it anyway. But so right. I'm just just wanted your opinion on uh you know on that. Well, let's, let's see. I'm, I'm glad you asked that, brother Elliot, because see, as you well know, if if, if, if for nothing else, the John Gruden thing exposed how these white folks feel about black people, and see, Gruden just was exposed. But you, but like as, as the saying goes, and I'm gonna put all this in the context, Elliot, Gruden felt comfortable saying those racist things to this. Guy Allen from the Washington football team because he know most of those white men that's in football, whether they're in the front office, the coaches, the uh, the general manager, the owners, they also got that kind of mindset. So they have a very low opinion about black people. They think black people are, are stupid. And even when you prove your medal to them, it still ain't enough. I mean, I look at the brother who's an intelligent brother from the New York Giants football team, Jerry, I think his name is Jerry Reese. He won two Super Bowls for them, and yet he can't get another general manager's job. He not won one, he won two, you know? So that's that kind of mindset, and and, 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 and it's still even still today, even you see a more black quarterbacks, but they still got that mindset that a black man shouldn't be a quarterback. And that's why I try to caution people because you see the Patrick Mahomes and the Dak Prescott and all these other brothers out there don't mean that these biggest have accepted. They still got this notion that a black a white man a quarterback is a white man's position. So they definitely look at black men as unintelligent, stupid, you know, all you can be is just an athlete, you know what I mean? Just catch the football, run the football, but don't be the the the, the, the field leader, the field general. Don't be a middle linebacker, which is the quarterback of the defense or the or, or quarterback on the offense, that's their mindset. So they always come up with these little things to try to, you know, make, you know, uh, 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 put black people in a position where you appear to be, be unintelligent. Like the good analogy that you said about the current Eagles quarterback uh, now, uh, Jalen Hurst was a young talent and stuff. Like you said, his coach is putting him in a position where he looks like he's a fool, like he, like, he, like, he, like he don't know what the hell he's doing out there. He's making this young man look bad when, he, when it's the coach that's putting him in this position. So they, have, so they always, Elliot, come up with these little things that they try to make black people appear less than, than what they are and stuff like that because that's the mindset. They always got this thing about, about black people not intelligent and stuff, whether it be any position, whether it be quarterback, uh, middle linebacker, you know, working in the front office where you have to make player deals, player selections, you know, negotiating contracts, whatever the case may be. You know, that's the, the mindset. I just want to appear, make black people appear to be less than uh, intelligent. I mean, it's the, this stuff just goes on and on with these people, man. It, it don't stop. And see, this is why it's important that we always, you know, counter that kind of stuff and, and let these bigots know we don't have to prove it to y'all that we're entitled. We already know that, but we just want to let the world know that, that we are we capable of doing any job in the NFL, any not just sports, but anything, whether it be engineers, scientists, anything. We can do it just as good as y'all white men can and better. In most cases, better, because, damn it, we invented down there everything that's, 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 that's in this world that they, that they stole and we couldn't get a pattern on it from the traffic light, the open heart surgery. I'm not go on and on. You get my point, Elliot. So, I mean, so I'm glad you brought that up, Elliot, because this is something that we always have to continue to fight against that stereotype of trying to make black men look unintelligent. It's all these tests and stuff that make black men appear to be like they're stupid or something like that. So, so, you, so yeah, definitely, Elliot. I'm, I'm, I know how, they go, how, they, how that mindset works in the NFL, and, and there's no, no different in baseball. 
fast. No, in any other sport, I mean, look at a sport like the NBA. You got predominantly black players in the NBA, and all the coaches are damn near white. Something you know I'm saying, Elliot? <laughs> just go to show you, again, the mindset, you know what I mean? So, you know. But thanks, Elliot, for, 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 for asking me that. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome, sir. Let's go to 646. Hey, what's going on, Elliot and um, Richard? Listen, I'm good, brother. Listen, colored pile was nothing more than a piece of sugar, honey, iced tea, a warmonger, uh, a a flunky, a footstool, and uh, he was just of no value. I mean, the amount of people that he assisted and killing around the world that were of color makes him a worthy of, you know, what happened to him. He's taking the, he taking the dirt now, you know. He may be down there with his boy, short arm, John Killer McQueen, um, having war stories at this time, waiting for the sky daddy to send him some cold lights or something. You 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 never know, but he he was no one that should get any type of praise from black people that are clear on what's going on. I mean, it, you know, it amazes me how the American public goes about revisionist history when it comes down to certain individuals. You know. I mean, can you imagine what the revisionist history will be in regards to someone like Oliver North or or that ilk? I mean, even this dirtbag, um, you know, Trump. I mean, it's, it is what it is. But as far as, you know, he may have been a good family man or all of that, but on his political tip, he was a piece of sugar on the IC. It's that plain and simple. There was nothing good about it unless being good is killing people on behalf of of a government that don't even want to give the people they write to to vote, to have so called democracy here. How the hell is America gonna go around the world talking about democracy when in the next year or so there ain't going to be no goddamn democracy in this country no more. Can you explain that to me? Because I, I really, I'm going to be straight up with you. I'd really like to know. I mean, you spoke about it earlier, but, you know, to be truthful, democracy is a wrap in this country if there really ever was any. Because now black folks, they built, ain't going to be one for them. You know, because it just seems like the manner in which the Supreme Court is not going to do anything about all of the gerrymandering that's going to go on and all of the other redistricting and shenanigans that's going to be put in place to make sure that these um, Republicans have um, power. You know what I mean? And it's quite obvious that the so-called Democrats ain't going to do the necessary thing to deal with this this no-good, filthy, stinking white man, Joe Manchin. 
but let me tell you something. I heard the most gangster thing in dealing with Joe Manchin and ain't heard no more about it. Somebody said that what they need to do to Joe Manchin is nationalize the product that his daughter is making all of her money off of. They said they need to nationalize it. Now, that may seem crazy, but if they nationalize it, she can't make no money off of it no more. Well, you I know what I mean? Yeah, but I, well, okay. I mean, I, mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. She, she can't. They got to give it to the people in the in in the country, basically for free. So she's not gonna make the type of money that she making off of it. You know, like the guy who had the EpiPen. You know, now to think about it, it's something that one would, you know, say, "Oh man, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that." But ain't they doing that basically with the mandate of the vaccine? You know what I mean? Ain't they doing it with that? But, you know, you got some people who are fighting back. And then you got people who done had to capitulate and take the vaccine to um, be able to keep keep their job. Right, Richard? Yep. You know? So, I mean, hey. You know, the bottom, the bottom. Isn't the issue with Joe Manson, and I'm just, because I heard, matter of fact, I just heard my brother say the same thing you're saying in relationship, not to the nationalizing. I don't even know what that product is, but um, in, in relationship to Joe Manson. But isn't it about the people in West Virginia who voted for Joe Manson? Is he a reflect? Is he representing himself? Or is he representing West Virginia? Um, I think he's representing himself. I don't think he's representing West Virginia based on what I be hearing Reverend Barber talk about. You know, Reverend Barber talks about how, you know, he got protests going on and that 70 to 80% of the people want certain things to happen that, Mansion ain't going along with. I mean, it's just crazy, man. I mean, you know, it's like it's like I always say, man. They protecting they protecting their power position and whiteness, and I ain't mad at them. I I don't get I don't get bent out of shape about it because you know, in all honesty, that's what they supposed to do. What I get mad about is that we as a people don't deal with it from that perspective. We deal with it from the perspective that this is a kinder and gentler master and that master ain't go with that ass. You know what I mean? He gonna he gonna just he just gonna tap us at this stage of the game. Cause he can't beat us like he used to. But the reality is they do everything that they wish to do to us, to to now place us in a position to where, as you know, we don't put, as they say, put Biden in office, 
And in the process, like Elliot said earlier, they had John Pierre come out and go on TV and do a song in the dance about Biden. But if you ask me, and maybe you could reiterate it, um, Elliot, what has um, Biden really done for black people since he's been in office? I, I mean, I don't know. Could you tell me? Do you know? Uh, no. I mean, but uh, uh, let me go back to something that Richard mentioned. Because I think that, that, that now I'm no political scientist. I'm just observing a lot of this stuff. I, I think that Manchin represents the mindset or he's a servant to those white West Virginians that he represents. He represents their mindset. No, he represents the Just like the other woman out of Arizona represents the mindset of the people she represents. I don't I don't think they really I don't think she really represents the democratic side of it. I think she represents more the Republican side of it if you ask me. But I could be wrong, but I think I think Manchin represents the 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 the, the Republican side of it in the manner in which he acts and behaves. So, Who? I mean, well, no, but, but see, just... keep in mind, keep in mind what Malcolm said, and he, the man was a prophet. Keep in mind what Malcolm said over 50 years ago. There is no more Democrat and Republican. Right. It's liberal and state. conservative. Right. So whether he considers himself a Democrat, Republican, Green Party, whatever, he has the same mindset as his brethren there. If they're conservative, that's right. what he is. Yeah, because she's she's looking, and they don't want to be honest about it. He's looking to protect whiteness. I mean, you know, and and and, and Biden uses the term liberal, right. but they both have right. the same objectives. He's just perfected right. the art of being the, the, the Negro's friend and benefactor, like Malcolm yeah. says, and then turn around yeah. and give him the share. Yeah, because the Negroes like um. Like like Claiborne and the rest of them, um, Tobys, you know. But the thing, the thing is that one has to take into consideration is what is black folks gonna do? Now, which raises another question because we've seen not, um, and it really was in the beginning of the the forty um, fives um, election. You've seen the mobilization of of the black corporate elite, you know, in relationship to PAC. And you've seen as this with the Biden election, the Biden Harris, you've seen the consolidation of the um, black, um, the, not just the black political cl- uh, class, um, you know, those other supporting organizations. I'm going to the question that you asked. What did black people get out of it? So I'm I'm raising the point. No matter what Biden is saying is being pulled off because of Manchin and others, um, that this black group, not black people in general, but this black group um, who helped get Biden in, um, what's that that congressperson from, is he South Carolina, who got the chair? um, Claiborne. Claiborne. I mean, we can we say that he's benefited um, from Biden um, getting office? Uh, Harris and her, uh, the women contingent group 
that's close into that network. Can we say? Yeah, but what is, what is when you say benefit? I mean, benefit how? I mean, they 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 their position is pretty much solidified. I mean, the point of the matter is how much more can they benefit? I don't know. I mean, but the the point is, I mean, did they get something? Because what we're looking at in relationship with Biden was putting out the policy that was supposed to, you know, uh, maybe, um, you know, what's that, the um, the college, the two-year college, you know, free college tuition. Nah, they they not doing that. Right, they, right. They, they, they took it out the bill, they said. Right, right. I mean, that's the point I'm making. But at another tier, are they getting something? Because we don't hear nothing talked about whether they're um, getting anything or not. So the question is, are, I mean, Obama, I mean, he just bought a, a million dollar, whatever house he's getting a library in Georgia and, and those in, in that network around, around him, they're, they're, aren't they, haven't they benefit? What I'm trying to say, they're well, they benefit anyway. benefiting from. They're, they're not extra. They didn't that I can see. I mean, they're going to benefit just based on the simple fact of what their position is. Now, what extra, I mean, I can't, I, I don't visually see that they're getting any extra. Maybe they are. You know, maybe a family member's getting a job. Maybe a family member's getting something. That's usually what happens. But as far as visual, do one see anything? No, I don't I don't see anything. And but I, I, mean, I you know, agree with you, too, and that's why I'm raising the question, because um, visually, it's interesting that we don't hear, um, with, but whether he loses or they loses or not, or or not, they have gotten, and, and even if it's what you say, uh, 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 a their position has been more um, confirmed, and some of the people who are around them who are now a part of this this rainbow team that Biden brought in, their position, even if they get out, their position is more confirmed. But yeah, but the, but the question is, all of that is just talk. The question is, what is what is the change position of black folks? What is the change position of me and you? The change position by those black folks being it. I mean, black folks thought that they were going to get a change position when Obama and that crew was in. Did they get a change position? Not that I know. That's I mean, the, I became a little more liberal. I mean, did Obama and that crew get a change position. Yeah, they got a change position because they were the ones who were supposed to get the real change position. I got a little better change position because I got lucky and got involved in a couple of things. You know what I mean? But the reality is, collectively. Um, we as a people, we're not doing no better. It's funny because I went food shopping today and I was looking at an old receipt and the same stuff that I got four or five months ago, I done paid the extra $15 for basically the same stuff. I was like, Lord have mercy. And, and, and that's all over the place. And they're telling us the containers of the food before there wasn't no food. <clears throat> now the containers of the food is right outside 
but they ain't got no people to do the work to bring it to you. And that's why. Um, well, I tell you, I tell you like this. A friend of mine came to me earlier this week talking about investing in the trucking in the trucking company. I told him I'm getting ready to retire and sell off everything, and I think I'm moving to Panama. Um, you know what I mean? So I told him no, I had to pass on it. But the the bottom line is, you know, there's certain industries out here that if your money and things are right, I would invest in it. If I was another five years younger, I'd I'd invest in um a trucking company if if things were right. Um but hey, listen, they got like you just said, Richie. They got tons and tons of product in the sea that they can't even get on the ports because they don't have the necessary people to deliver it, man. And um, and what's so crazy about it, that, let me just say this last thing. What's so crazy about it is they still don't want to pay the people. <laughs> they still don't want to give them the extra, the extra dollar or, or something to get the products out there. I mean, it's it's bananas, man. I don't I don't know I don't know what to say. Now I'll, I'll say this though. I just read earlier today that the workers in New York State, well, in in Long Island, I think it is, that work for Amazon, that decided they they want them a union. That's going to be real real interesting, bro. Well, I mean, that's gonna be real interesting if if they if they get a if they get a union because the fight back that they put a couple of months ago about another plant in in another state, I think it was Tennessee or something like that Alabama. with a union. Alabama, I think it was, yeah, Alabama. That, it was yeah, a brother Alabama. down there to try to get a start a union. Yeah, so you know the bottom line is it looks like they definitely got had the union in um in Long Island. And you know, the ripple of effect, it may be if they become unionized, um, all other states that are not at work states may unionize. I, I mean and, I don't I don't know. And and that that is, I mean I, I gotta look at that, but um just just take in mind the union in, in that town in Alabama, sixty percent of the people in that town First, are working, you know, of the working poor, are black, and they couldn't win the union vote. And you're saying Long Island. I don't know the demographics, but I know it ain't a black space. And the possibility. No, no. What happens is, what happens is, there probably is probably a white space with a lot of black that's within the area ship it in because now this is what I that this is what I've heard and I've talked to a couple of people that work for Amazon. Amazon is not an easy job. And it's not a great paying job also for the type of work that you do. Cause I, I I've talked to people that have worked at these fulfillment centers and they will tell you that's backbreaking work. You know what I mean? So the thing is, you know, I know because of it and what was going on, they had to increase the pay a little 
but you know they they ain't paying no one twenty dollars and all of that an hour other than maybe management. And to be honest, for that job as a fulfilling agent at Amazon, they deserve no less than around twenty two, twenty three dollars an hour. They, I mean, that's that that should be the starting wage, man. Because from what I understand, they work you like a dog, dude. It's, it's you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody because I because I remember I had to laugh. My brother, you know, he went to work there, and I think he said he lasted thirteen, fourteen hours. He said, "F this." And, I mean, he didn't need the job anyway. He just don't know what to do with himself. You know what I mean? I mean, I asked him, fool, you got a pension in Social Security. Why the F are you working anyway? Because he don't know what to do with himself. Okay. All right. So he got the job because they'll basically hire anybody if you pass the drug test and you ain't got a criminal record. And he said he went and did this shift. And after, like, 15, 18 hours, which was two days, he said, man, I ain't doing this. And he walked away. And I laughed. I tease him about it all the, all the time. But, I mean, you know, the, the reality is, you know, a lot of people right now are losing their jobs. They're walking away from the job. And I know even you, Richard and Elliot, um, didn't even speak about what's going on in Chicago where there was talk about, the police officers that didn't want to take the print and wanted to retire, they were going to try and take their pensions from them because of that man, that 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 mandate of taking the print, you know. And and I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I think within the next six months after this winter season and what happens with this winter season. I think in this country it's gonna be it's gonna be mandatory. I think it's gonna be mandatory. That's why I'm thinking about getting the hell out of here. I don't want to go, but I'm I'm really I'm really contemplating getting out of here. You know, I mean I I would like to go to Africa, but that I don't think that's a possibility. So I think I'm a I'm a center on Panama. Cause my old lady she had to re she had to retire. Because she didn't want to take the she want to take the vaccine, so she had that time in. So she said, "Hey, I you know I don't I don't want to stop working, but hey, I'm gonna because I ain't gonna I ain't gonna take the print." I said, "Hey, man, that's your choice. You know, I mean that's that's your choice, but I mean the bottom line is there's there's a lot of people, man, that's making hard decisions, man. And you know what's so scary is, in all honesty." is that it's not a public discussion about it because they have totally brainwashed people into it. Now, I had just figured out today, well, I figured it out a couple of days ago, that one of the hosts on Fox News, she didn't want to take the the, the vaccination, and she gave up her position at Fox for Now, she ain't outright say it, but you know, from seeing her in a couple of interviews and things of that nature and listening to what she's saying on Twitter, she refused to take the um the print, so she had to leave she had to leave the network. She just like, 
outright say it, but that's that's what happened. Now, I mean, you've had a couple of people, um, like like what you call them, that it that it does happen with, um, you know, with um, you know, with with ESPN and a couple of other places, a couple of these reported said they wasn't going to take the prick and they left. But, um, you know, really, as far as black people go, the most public of them all that I, that I see is Kyrie Irving. And, um, you know, I mean, it looked like the Nets going to beat your Sixers tonight, which I don't know what the hell is going on with your Sixers, man. You know, why is, why is Daryl Morning or whatever the hell his name is being so stubborn about keeping that non-shooting uh, Ben Simmons. Huh, huh, Little Joe? Little Joe, let me know why it is. Ralph said already told me, yeah, the Sixers lost tonight. Ralph said already told me, but I want to hear what Little Joe got to say about it because I'd have been done trading Ben Simmons. Yeah, well. Because his, his value is decreasing. <laughs> Talk to you. Now, my Nick, listen, let me leave you with this. My Knicks are 2 0. After Sunday, they'll be 3 0. And, uh, hey, man, the Knicks, are, the Knicks, what can I say? Yo, talk to y'all on Sunday. Have a beautiful weekend, fellas. Peace. And, hey, Richard, man, go. listen, get that, get that jacket, Richard, because <clears> I know it's, it's not your type of weather no more. <laughs> Talk to you. Put me on mute. Talk to y'all. Richard, coming up on the conclusion of another program. You know what, Richard? um, You know what? I'll hold this until until either Sunday or or next time we're on. Because I I want to – it was a a published report uh, in this publication called – in fact, it was in the Pew. Uh, the Pew. It was a Pew report talking about black homeowners pay more than their fair share of property taxes, and this is nationwide. And I'd like to go into some of that report, Richard, because those are some of the things as strategies that some of the brothers have been talking about about uh, taking over control of these localities where we dwell at and using the money to help our people. Because it talks about in this article that blacks nationwide pay more in property taxes than whites. Now, if that's the case, according to this published report, and they back it up with all types of statistics, then how do our neighborhoods look the way they do? That's not even... I mean, that's not even common sense. Richard, the tax money that's that's taken out of these neighborhoods is used in other places and other neighborhoods. It's clear that it is. So if you take over local control of your politics, then your tax money can be used to help your communities. That's one thing that these guys do have control over locally. They do. Yeah. Because, for example, the neighborhood where I grew up in was black for uh, centuries here in Philadelphia. Now it's predominantly white. 
I mean, overwhelming predominantly white. And look at all the resources that's in that community now. So you mean to tell me what, and half of the people that's there, over half of the people that's there, Richard, is there under a 10-year tax abate. Right. So they're not paying any taxes. So where did this money come from to redo rec centers, to put all these dog parks in the neighborhoods, to get rid of some of those uh, uh, those businesses that was drains on the community, like those uh, Asian restaurants with all that old greasy food and, and, and the other places that, that was undesirable, they, they're out of the neighborhoods. They're gone. So where did all this money come from to redo stuff if it wasn't already there, uh, according to the tax base, Richard? <laughs> there you go. So, you know, we really got to look at this because these men are right when they give a solution about moving to these areas and taking control of the money in these communities. And just like uh, uh, Professor House said, controlling the economy of these communities. It can be it can be done. Right. But the willingness, the willingness of the servants that we have elected in these areas, that's the problem. Yeah, I'll get a chance. I'm going to read because it was an interesting article and it and it uh, they use several cities as uh, almost like uh, case studies. Of the article, they use Chicago, <laughs> they use Philadelphia, they use several cities, Richard. And it's interesting, the statistics that they pointed out. So we'll, we'll touch on that in, in another program. I'll share you, I'll share the article with you so you can check it out. Uh, before we leave this evening, I just want to, uh, to let you know, uh, tomorrow evening from seven to nine, uh, check out the elders of Sankofa with host brother Alfonso Watkins. That's tomorrow evening, Saturday evening from seven to nine on time for an awakening media. And then Sunday from seven until time for an awakening is back. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school They seem to be
Save the children. 